Flatiron School is an international boot camp for software engineering, data science, and design that changes lives through education. One of our strengths is our focus on teacher quality. Flatiron's educational development team has experts in both pedagogy and content knowledge who work with our teachers to ensure our students receive the best educational experiences possible. This is the podcast of the Educational Development Team. Hi folks, this is Sean. I'm the Director of Educational Development here at Flatiron School. And today's topic for this podcast is called Lots of Hots. And these are abbreviations for lower order thinking skills and higher order thinking skills. And so this is going to be a big session of edu geekery, as I like to call it. We're going to talk about Bloom's taxonomy. We're going to talk about measuring levels of cognition and knowledge and how you can use these things to improve your classroom practice. Let's start with Bloom's. So in 1956, this guy named Benjamin Bloom came up with a taxonomy of cognition. This was revised in 2001 into the one that we'll discuss today. There are other taxonomies that are used in education, but this is possibly the most widely known, and it's one of the better ones for discussing lower order and higher order thinking skills. So like I said, in 1956, Benjamin Bloom, and this was through a conference, this was not just his work, but Benjamin Bloom and a number of people worked on this taxonomy that was intended to create a shared vocabulary from education and to help teachers teach what they will assess. And that's a really important thing because Bloom recognized that in many cases, teachers would teach facts or maybe concepts, but then expect their students to be capable of highly creative and critical thinking as a result of teaching them the basics. And that tension between the teacher's actions with the students falling into lower order thinking skills and the teacher's expectations of the students to be able to produce higher order thinking skills was something that Bloom was trying to address with this taxonomy. And by the way, there are three taxonomies that Bloom and this conference created. There's the one that we're going to discuss today, which is cognitive. There's also the effective taxonomy, which is dealing with emotion. And there's the psychomotor taxonomy that's dealing with action. But we're just talking about cognition today and just the revision in 2001. So as I said, in 1956, Bloom came up with this taxonomy as a result of these conferences. And that was revised in 2001. It went from a single axis that included both ways of thinking and ways of knowing to 2001's version, which broke it into two axes in order to split cognition from knowledge. So basically, it became easier using this revision to distinguish between how you think and what you know. So there's a link in the episode notes if you'd like to see this visually. This is definitely easier to understand with the visual, but I'm going to describe the 2001 revision to Bloom's Taxonomy. So again, it's two axes, and just imagine a spreadsheet. One axis going across the top is cognitive processes, and those are remember, understand, apply, analyze, evaluate, and create. And these are meant to be in order of increasing complexity. It's much more difficult cognitively to create than it is to remember. Down the left side, 
there's the knowledge dimension, the knowledge axis. And again, this is trying to classify what you know versus how you think about it. And so under the knowledge dimension, there's factual, conceptual, procedural, and metacognitive. And the first three are pretty straightforward. You probably know what those things mean. Metacognitive means being capable of thinking about thinking itself or thinking about your level of knowledge. So again, across the top, you've got remember, understand, apply, analyze, evaluate, create. Down the left side, you've got factual, conceptual, procedural, and metacognitive. Again, this is easier to understand if you use the link in the episode notes. And by combining these, the horizontal axis with the vertical axis, you're able to create combinations of thinking and knowing that are really, really useful in the classroom or for the teacher to understand about the student's work. For example, a student can understand conceptual knowledge. A student can also understand procedural knowledge or understand factual knowledge. But those are three different types of knowledge, but in all of those cases, you're dealing with understanding. Same thing for remember, same thing for apply. You can analyze factual knowledge, you can analyze conceptual knowledge, etc. And so I want you to pause the recording. We're going to do the first of our little interactive segments here. And I want you to think about an upcoming activity that you'll do with your class, or maybe a piece of curriculum you're working on, or a lesson plan, or whatever that looks like for you, whatever your role is. I want you to think about that activity that you have in mind for your class, and I want you to think about which areas of blooms it might touch. And in addition to that, are those the areas that you would like your students to be capable of? So just think about an activity that you'll do with your class, something that you're working on that you'll use with students or someone will use with students, and just think about which areas of blooms that might touch. Again, the top axis is remember, understand, apply, analyze, evaluate, create. And the left vertical is factual, conceptual, procedural, metacognitive. Okay, pause the recording. Take a moment, think about that. So as an example, say you were teaching your students to ride a bike. Think about just where those things might fall in blooms, right? The things you might need to know in order to ride a bike. You probably don't need your students to get to the point of being creative. You're not going to ask them to build a bike or to build a better bike in order to learn how to ride one. But they definitely need to remember certain things. The procedures, for example, of mounting and dismounting a bike, right? They also need to understand certain things. Some of the facts that you might want your students to know things that they shouldn't do when they're riding a bike, like take their hands off the handlebars as they're learning to ride. They will also need to apply, and they'll need to apply that factual knowledge and conceptual knowledge and procedural knowledge in order to successfully ride a bike. So that example hits many areas of blooms, and that's true for basically anything that you teach your students. It's not going to fit neatly into one of these boxes. It'll fit into usually several at least, if not many. So hopefully, as you thought about this classroom experience that you're building, you saw ways that this moves across different dimensions of Blooms. So Blooms allows the teacher to do a few things. Number one, the teacher can plan learning activities that support different levels of thinking and different ways of knowing. And that's not a small thing. It's very easy, as a teacher, to build a learning experience that seems like a great idea, but doesn't necessarily move you towards your students' learning goals. 
So number one is that it helps the teacher plan for learning activities that support different levels of thinking and knowing. The second is it allows teachers to evaluate the range of their curriculum or their lessons in order to ensure that they're accomplishing the things that they intend to accomplish. So you look at your curriculum, you say, I want my students to be capable of higher order thinking skills, such as analysis and evaluation and creativity. And what I'm actually doing in the curriculum is accomplishing the lower order thinking skills of remember, understand, and apply. And so maybe I need to adjust the things that I'm going to accomplish with my students. And by the way, on the topic of create, this does not mean create a document. This means actually do creative work, creative thinking, which means applying previous knowledge in a novel way. So there's a pitfall with create where teachers say, okay, if you use Google Docs and make a new file, you've created something. Great, check that box. But that's not what that's meant to be. And then the third thing that Blooms allows a teacher to do is to build rubrics and assessments that fairly and accurately measure what they've taught the students to do. Because now they're considering the ways that the students are thinking, the things that the students know, the types of knowledge that they have, and that enables a teacher to build more accurate rubrics and assessments. And so here we're going to go into our second bout of interactivity. I want you to pause the recording and think about how you would assess something like understand procedural knowledge, or perhaps remember factual knowledge, or apply conceptual knowledge. Whatever that combination is, pick one of those combinations. Think about how you would actually assess that. Pause the recording. Come back when you're ready. Hopefully you actually thought about that for a little bit. I imagine that what you've come to is you need to see that demonstrated. You can't get into the student's head to know that they remember a fact. You need to see that they remember a fact, which means maybe taking a quiz or writing a paper or telling you something verbally. Same thing goes for understanding. You can't measure understanding. What you can measure is the student's ability to explain something. There's no tool that will tell you if a student understands facts. What you need is for the student to demonstrate that understanding somehow. Same thing goes for application. Same thing goes for analysis. The point here is any assessment of student thinking or knowing needs to be measurable and observable. You can't intuit whether someone knows something. You can't guess, at least not if you want to be an effective teacher. You need to be able to measure and observe what your students are capable of. And that tells you whether they've met those areas of blooms. So the final thing I want to leave you with here is that blooms is complex. This is not an easy thing to get a handle on. And so my advice to you is don't just try to memorize this. It's not going to make sense until you've used it for a while, and that's totally fine and totally appropriate. So for now, my recommendation is look at the levels, both in the horizontal axis, the cognitive processes, and in the vertical axis, the knowledge dimensions, and consider where your learning activities fit on that grid. The goal here is not necessarily to cover every single element in the grid. You don't have to hit create metacognitive knowledge. The goal is to do an open and honest evaluation for yourself on what are my students going to be asked to accomplish in the course of their learning with me, and is that range of thinking and knowing exactly what I want my students to be capable of when they leave my class? 
And if those two things don't match up, well, then now you have something that you know how to fix because you have the tool of using the taxonomy to identify the missing areas and to determine what kinds of things you could do to fill those gaps. So that's it for me on this one. This is short but pretty dense. So please feel free to go back and review anything. Make sure that you take the time to really consider those questions that I asked. If you didn't earlier, I would suggest going back and thinking about them now. But I hope that this is something that you find useful in your practice. I've certainly found it useful in curriculum design as well as classroom experience design. And so I hope you will find the same utility in Bloom's taxonomy and in ways of thinking about thinking and knowing. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Take care. Do you enjoy this podcast? I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes or SoundCloud. And of course, please recommend it to your friends. Thank you.